Hey, welcome to the Centre Podcast. We're a church based in Dural, Sydney, who love Jesus and want to share the message of hope that he brings for all people. We pray that you're blessed by this word and that it reveals God's love for you in a new way. Enjoy. Well, what a pleasure it is to be back yeah. in the saddle All with right. old uh, Mitch Levingston. Yeah, special guest today. <laughs> special guest featuring the yeah. one and only Marcus Levingston. Yeah. Well, got a, got a um, quite a, quite a strong middle names going on as well. What's it? We need it. We need yeah. a full full name so, for the announcement. Marcus Walter Crow Levingston. Come on, I feel like that's yeah. the name of like an English poet. <laughs> I love that. So all our kids, their second middle name is the maiden name of. Um, like our mothers. Yep. And so Ash has got Everett, which is Rachel's yep. mum's maiden name. Yep. Hazel's got Naylor, which is my mum's maiden name. And he has Crow, which is Rachel's maiden name. So they're Love carrying it. on the... There you go. Carrying <laughs> on that maternal lineage <laughs> yes, as well. So, <laughs> so good. So, so good. Yeah. Look, I think that it's, uh, yeah, a really uh, beautiful, beautiful name. And it's nice to have little Marcus just chilling here. The three yeah. boys hanging yeah, out, doing some banter today. Yep. Mitch, it's been a massive couple of weeks for you. We yes, now yeah. don't don't need to go into all of that <laughs> now. I feel like there are many many episodes yes. to, to come for that. But I was um yeah very very uh struck by your um yeah sermon on the weekend about ultimately like what does it look like to really understand this idea of authority mm. that Jesus speaks about in the in the great commandment and um, before we kind of get into it I thought to kind of go on the theme of animals that we yeah, might yeah. going on today this is maybe a little bit pagan of me but it's just a joke it's lighthearted what is your spirit animal like spirit what is animal. yeah what, what's an animal that you deeply resonate with uh, I always like bears mm. Bears are great. Mm. Yeah, they're like fast and strong, and a bear's fast. I never yeah, like they like can sprint. Like burst yeah. of energy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess. So. Look, yeah. I'm, I'm a big fan of bears as well. Yeah. I reckon you can't go past a good old grizzly yeah. bear. You yeah. know? Do you have a favorite type of bear? Oh, probably it's the grizzly. Yeah. Uh, polar bears are pretty cool though. Polar bears. Yeah. Okay, I got a fun fact about polar yeah. bears. Did you know that their fur isn't white? I did not know that. It's actually just translucent. Okay. And their skin is white. Yeah, there you okay, go. There you go. I did fact, not know that. Because there's so little sun up in yeah, the Arctic yeah, that, that they actually. like need to be able to absorb sun. Mm. So there you go. Guys, it's not just about theological learning here <laughs> at Banter. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just a little David Attenborough yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, treat for you. Yeah. But um, you kind of gave this little tease for us um, mm. on Sunday about all of these different moments in the Old Testament where we are able to see this authority um, mm. given to different figures, different uh, figures that are following God. And um, obviously we looked at this idea in Genesis, this sort of commissioning that Adam is given of authority. Um, and yeah, I think it might be nice to jump into that first, mm. maybe unpack anything extra that maybe mm. we missed and then maybe just go through chronologically yeah. and jump in as we go. So yes. yeah, what points, what sticks out for you with yeah. the authority of Adam? Um, so I think for me, uh, I struck by just how much, yeah, like just the authority that humans actually possess mm. over the earth. Mm. Um, yeah, I think we, we know that God's in charge. And I can't, that was kind of the view I always had. Oh, yeah, God's in charge. But then actually studying the Old Testament, you need to realize, well, yeah, Adam and Eve are called to rule and subdue mm. over all the earth, all mm. the animals and the plants. Mm. And yeah, and so that's um, for me, it just, stri- and particularly when you read like the Tower of Babel, and mm. there's a weird little reference in there. Like, we don't confuse the languages. Mm. And nothing will be impossible for them. You're like, what does that mean? And that's mm. all it says. Like, oh. So there's this, 
like sort of hint there that humanity, I guess as image bearers, possesses tremendous authority. Mm. And that's what Psalm 8 is reflecting upon. Had they did there in the list, Psalm 8, and saying, what is man that you're mindful of? The son of man that you care for him. You made him um, a little lower than the angels, but crowned him with um, power and glory and subjected everything under his feet. And so mm. the psalmist is recognizing, even though we're lower than the angels, we've been crowned with glory and honor. And mm. when we're preacher of Hebrews, that's the, the passage the author uses in Hebrews 2 to mm. point to Jesus' supremacy mm. over yeah, so that's yeah. I guess that's the the pattern with um Paul. Mm-hmm. He talks about the first Adam and the last Adam, the second yeah. Adam. And that's the idea of Jesus being fully human, mm. which is why it's so important that Jesus was human, because mm. a human has to rule over mm. the world to bring in God's purposes. It was interesting. You kind of brought up this question on Sunday. You kind of presented this, I guess, Adam's commission as yeah. you were putting it, um, and then asked the you know question. So who has authority over the earth? And I think people were quite hesitant because yeah. it's like, oh, like that's that's not something that we talk about a lot no. about having authority over the earth because mm. obviously we only have that authority because it's being given mm. through God. So it's sort of this idea that yeah. we are, you know, representing mm. God and it's not that we are the, the glass yeah. ceiling of authority. But it is, I think, um, yeah, for myself included, kind of, quite a, I don't know, almost overwhelming sentiment that yeah. there's this authority because that's a great amount of responsibility mm. to step into. Well, um, one of the things when you look at creation, um, creation, we spoke about this before, but has boundaries to sea, land, yeah. sky, and all that. And when you transgress those boundaries, it causes chaos. Mm. And essentially, it's the act of uh, Adam and Eve disobedience that just causes chaos on the mm. earth the dirt creatures mm. cause problems to the dirt itself that's yeah. part of adam's curse the curse will be the adama yeah, yeah you're yeah. made of you know? yeah and you're going to return to it dust you formed yeah. dust you will return yeah, and yeah. yeah and so that, that for me it strikes me as quite yeah humans have tremendous power like the one mm. act upended the world mm. but at the same token it's the act of one man jesus that restores the world mm. and mm. yeah so even, so for me even still it is quite which is why i guess psalm 8 is so powerful so mm. i was just like whoa i can't believe that humans of all creatures we've been given this mm. authority crown mm. and glory and honor where does the authority of satan fit in all of that yeah, it's something that you sort of um mm. yeah touched Teased, on for a yeah. moment with jesus temptation yeah. in the wilderness um mm. i definitely um had been given some teachings growing up that um satan had a certain level of authority at the moment almost yeah. as an allowance from yeah. god it's an interesting it dynamic that we're kind of yeah. once we start to talk about god's authority our mm. authority Satan's authority and th- there's obviously some yeah. some level of leniency of God allowing yes. something to still occur yeah, in, gonna, in that I'm, idea. I'm gonna find it. Satan's called as the prince yeah. of the world. It's yes. from one John. Yes. And so like so the point I was making when we looked at Genesis three yesterday and the serpent was that we have to like we know it's Satan because of the New Testament. Mm-hmm. We make that linkage, but from a textual point of view, there's no Satan. It's mm. a serpent, a nahas, just mm-hmm. a serpent. It's mm-hmm. just a, and, and that's the and the idea is to touch in that. Well, they listened to the animals mm. rather than flipped it, it mm-hmm. flipped it. And so, yeah, I guess in that sense, um, yeah, ultimately God still rules over the world. Yeah. But in a sense, Satan 
was kind of given authority. I say that in inverted commas. Yeah. Which is like what what he offers Jesus in mm. the temptation of, uh, I'm going to find that verse. Uh, where is it? Uh, yeah, so 2 Corinthians 4.4, 4, the God of this world. Um, yeah, Satan's the prince of the world, prince of darkness, Jesus calls him mm. in John. And so there's yeah. that. Yeah, it, it's just an interesting tension that, that particularly New Testament has is Satan has this yeah power and authority mm. but it is under the leash of Jesus I guess that's the comfort of Revelation is yeah. that however you read Revelation 20 pre yeah. or a or post millennial mm. the point is is that the dragon gets chucked away mm. so, you know it's a thousand years whether that's a literal or symbolic yeah, the yeah, point yeah. of that whole thing is that yeah evil's going to be dealt with mm. and so the book of Job gives us a great insight into mm. Satan's power. Um, yeah. yeah, we see beginning of Job, if you're not familiar with it, the the, the, the sons of God, mm. the divine council are meeting and Satan is given, I guess, authority to attack Job. Mm. But the complexity of it is in Hebrew, it's called Ha-Satan, the Satan. Yeah. And so there's a bit, some people debate whether or not it's the Satan of the New Testament mm. or another, because Satan just means adversary. Yeah. And so sometimes God's a Satan to the Israelites. He's an adversary. So, mm. But I, I I think that the Satan of Job is probably referring to the same Satan in the New Testament. And the idea being that, yeah, he, he can act, but it's with, within boundaries. Mm-hmm. And God's like, hey, don't kill him. He doesn't kill him. Yeah. It's, you know, don't touch his skin, doesn't touch his skin. And Job makes another interesting insight is that even when it's a natural disaster or the armies or mm-hmm. whatever it is, you equate it to the hand of God. Mm. Mm. Uh, that opens another can of worms. Of, mm. uh, but uh, Job goes, the Lord gives, the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He doesn't mm. blame, oh, it's Satan's fault or it's the Chaldeans' fault or it's that giant gust of wind that blew down and killed my kid's fault. It's the hand of the Lord. So, yeah. Mm. Theodicy. It's, it's a great, great thing to wrestle with because there's no clear answer to that. But. Yeah, I think it is a challenge, and mm. I think that ultimately there's a lot of nuance in it. Mm. Um, but I, I suppose the big sort of almost Sunday school level takeaway of it, without being too patronizing, mm. is this idea that God is ultimate. Yeah. God has given us authority. There is some sort of leniency that Satan has yeah. in this season of time. But I love the na- analogy that you used of a leash, that mm. almost Jesus has a leash on that, that mm. there's only so far, you know, in the same way that as you're walking down a street, a, you know, crazy, terrifying dog might run all the way up to its fence and bark at you. Now, if you go into that fence and into that property, mm. you know, as people do, you know, yeah. they sort of start to dabble mm. in, you know, things of this world that we're called not to. Um, you're opening yourself up to a lot more um, capacity and possibility for, you know, yeah. danger to being hurt, mm. to being attacked. Yeah. Um, but yeah, there is this idea that ultimately yeah. we still have that authority. We are yeah. the, the ones who can open or close mm. that gate a bit. You know? and, the, and there is some biblical evidence for that. Um, in Daniel, there's a strange reference while Daniel is praying. Michael comes to him, oh, I would have come to you sooner, but the prince of Persia kept me delayed for three weeks. And mm. it's like, oh. Who is this prince of Persia? It's probably not the actual human prince of Persia, but Mm. some sort of demonic being over a country, perhaps. Mm. And then when it's in Luke's account of casting out the demoniac, they 
beg him not to beg him. I was thinking that. Not to yeah. send out the area. Or Please. Yeah, like <laughs> keep us, us into the pigs. Yeah, don't send us out of our area. So there's some sort of territory they have. So, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it is a weird thing once again that Jesus almost... I don't know. Shows there's almost a word beyond leniency, almost you know s- sympathy, mm. or sort of you yeah. know for for these demons in this moment. And it, I don't know. I think for me starts to yeah bring up a whole bunch of questions about you know in the spiritual beings world, like what is what is a demon? What yeah. is you know a sort of a fallen angel? Mm. What is like this whole idea going on? And that maybe yeah. this idea that there's yeah some I don't know. Um, level of of connection and empathy and and less um yeah maybe um black and white Mm. in all of this than we like to think Mm. um yeah it's god is entirely good absolutely what do we do with all the other stuff yes tricky (laughs) so we've obviously got Mm. the um idea of adam's commissioning Um, yeah, in that, this sort of, this tension, even in that yeah. very opening, you know, mm. Genesis 3 of a, you know, a spiritual being, yes. I would say, represented mm. as the serpent coming in and questioning God's authority, authority yeah. tempting humans to overreach in their mm. own authority. Um, how do you kind of see this idea of authority in a different way, obviously, yeah. um, come about in the story of Noah? Um, so Noah is given pretty much the same commissioning as Adam. Mm. He's sort of, some call it, scholars call him Adam 2.0 and even the flood narrative is structured sort of around a seven day Mm. event there's similarities between some people call them phases so rather than days almost like phases of the flood which sort of don't directly like correlate like perfectly but you can sort of see themes of the world being decreated it's Mm -hmm. flooded again and it sort of slowly some waters drop you see kind of dry land and plants and then Noah comes out and He's basically given the same commission as Adam, you know, rule and subdue. There's mm. some things added to it, such mm. as, you know, don't drink meat and if he kills, you know, you know, if you kill humans, the blood of the humans will be held against you. So, mm. And I guess that's the tying in a bit with the whole Genesis 3, 15, you know, the crushing the head, the seed of the will crush the head of the serpent, is that mm. the idea of seed is being mm. traced throughout Scripture. And so yeah. it's kind of like, implied question in each narrative is like oh is this the seed of the woman oh no no he's pretty good but no like he ultimately fails he even sins similarly to adam it's the fruit of a tree he gets drunk and we don't really know what happens it's a bit odd yeah sort of naked and ham either some people think maybe raped him or perved on him or did something anyway he did something that he wasn't supposed to cause disgrace yeah his father placed the curse upon him and so yeah, and then that's where the line of Shem comes in. And, and so skipping forward to Abraham, while, while the commission's not rule and subdue the world, he's mm. given the, I'll make you a great nation. You know, all, the, you know, all the world will be blessed. All the nations will be blessed through you. And, mm. and so this idea is Abraham's almost like an Adam mm. 3.0. Um, it's really cool in Genesis. There's a the narrative continually pushes east. Mm. So people keep going east out of the garden. Then you get to Abraham and it starts heading back mm. west. Mm. And so the Jews believe that um, Eden is actually Mount Zion. Mm. So there's nothing in the Bible about that. So they argue that, well, actually Eden was where 
So eyes where Isaac was sacrificed is the mm. site of the temple, mm. which is Mount Zion. It was about to be sacrificed. Yeah, yeah. Well, sorry, <laughs> no, I should no. say that. Yes. And, um, so even they're saying like it's tracing back, heading back towards Eden, so to speak, mm. in inverted commas. And so that's you know, Adam, um, Adam, Abraham and his family are carrying on that commission mm. of Adam to bring about, um, yeah, the, what God's intention was for the world. Mm. Um, I've mentioned this before, but there seems to be the idea of the gardens, this sacred space, and the world needed to be kind of conquered, so to speak, to spread the borders of Eden. Because mm. outside the garden, we know there's lawns and thistles. And mm. so if the world was perfect from day dot outside of Eden, why would they need to spread out? Mm. That's what some Old Testament commentators argue. And so that's what Noah and Abraham and Abraham's descendants are doing. They're spreading out Eden, mm-hmm. for like a better word. And even the promised land, it becomes like a new Eden. And the description yeah, of sure. the land of Canaan has a lot of Edenic language. Yeah. And so, yeah, that, that's all part of it. And then that ties in, I had another reference there, the Canaanite conquest. Mm. Uh, when Joshua, before um, Moses dies, he commissions Joshua. And similarly, on a mountain, mm. commissioning him to go and, yeah kind of eradicate the the seed of the serpent mm-hmm. so to speak the Canaanites mm-hmm. and that's yeah I don't know, that's another tricky kind of thing to discuss and that ties yeah. in with the curse upon Ham looking at Noah because that's yeah cursed oh. be Canaan the lowest of all slaves and yeah, it's yeah. like quite yeah it's interesting so just unpack that just for people who might yeah, not be so, um, what you're saying right now so um, the so lineage of Ham is Ham obviously. is like Ham so he has a son so Ham was the son that looked at Noah naked yeah. he had a son called Canaan yeah and he cursed Canaan. And so the Canaanites yeah. are eradicated like, yeah. several hundred years later by the Israelites. Well, yeah. not completely eradicated. They still remain, yeah, but sure. that's part of the conquest. Yeah, yeah. And so, it does say they were completely yes. <laughs> yeah. but then there's Canaanites popping yeah. up again. <laughs> so, so, and some commentators recognize that even Jesus' commissioning is, well, Jesus' name does mean Joshua. Yeah. And so he's kind of doing, he's kind of playing the role of Moses and Joshua, so to speak. But instead yeah. of killing enemies mm. particularly in matthew's account he's, you're loving your enemies you're turning mm. them a cheek you're spreading the good news mm. peacefully yeah. not with weapons of warfare because essentially jesus has borne the wrath of god on mm. the cross mm. and yeah so so there's that like it's not a direct like you won't see it directly but it's like there's sort of hints mm. throughout and that's, and that's one of them like jesus is giving us a new commissioning mm. to conquer the world through peace yeah. The gospel. Yeah. And then, and yeah, well, that one, Psalm 8, I mentioned that already, just recognizing the, yeah, the state of humanity. Daniel 7, we spoke about that mm. briefly, but I'll touch on again. The, the very strange vision, he sees four beasts yeah. coming out of the sea. And depending on how you view that, you see there's different, um, different time periods, but yeah. the, the beasts represent four empires, basically. Mm. And when after these beasts um, come out, the fourth one is they get more and more terrifying. And mm. so probably the view I have is the first beast is Babylon, then the Medo-Persians, then the Greeks, and then the last one's the Roman Empire. Uh, for me, I like that because then when Jesus comes, that makes sense. It was the Roman Empire when Jesus came, essentially the Son of Man taking mm-hmm. authority. But yeah, people have different views on that. Yeah, but and, yeah the empire that was still yeah. probably at the core kind of peak of issue as yeah. John was writing that mm. letter as well, that was sort of at the forefront of everyone's mm. mind as yeah the Roman but, Empire. But regardless, the point is, is that, um, yeah, they're beasts. Mm. And we know that humans are supposed to rule. And mm. so when the Son of Man comes with... Yeah, riding on the clouds, which is what God does. Mm. And Jesus even says that when he's 
on trial, he goes, you'll see the Son of Man sitting on the clouds and they tear, the high priest tears his robes. He knows exactly what he's saying. He goes, mm. he's claiming divine status. So, yeah, there's that there. So Daniel 7, point is that mm. after these beastly empires come, mm-hmm. the Son of Man, the one to rule over the world, mm-hmm. as should be, will arrive. And then, yeah, finally, um, all authority, King Cyrus. Mm-hmm. So King Cyrus, he was... Um, when it came after the Babylonians. Um, the next series we're doing is Jeremiah. Mm-hmm. And so they're interesting going through that because um, when the Babylonians were used as God's instrument of judgment against the, a, a sinful Jerusalem, mm. but then the Babylonians are judged because it's almost like you took it too far. Yeah. And now and Cyrus, who's the king of the Persians, mm. he's a messiah. In fact, mm-hmm. Isaiah calls him a Messiah, which is quite my anointed one, Cyrus. Mm-hmm. And Cyrus at the end of um, Chronicles and at the beginning of um, Ezra, he talks about, I've been given all authority. Mm. To, and so it's like that Jesus sort of riffing off that. Mm. And um, Chronicles, if you read the Hebrew Bible, Chronicles is the last chapter, last book in the, so it finishes with um, Cyrus's declaration about having all authority so the Jews can return home. So even that, there's a, it's a subtle implication that Jesus, I have all authority mm. in a sense I'm ending exile. Mm. So I'm bringing in a restoration of yeah. people being exiled from God. So, yeah, that's a bit of a whirlwind tool for the <laughs> Old Testament for everyone. I hope again, you can um, <laughs> kind of keep up with that. But Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah it might be worth maybe just in the show notes to put some little Bible passages yeah, for, yeah. for reference there. But yeah. I think ultimately... Um, I mean, we can see just from your unpacking there um, at a very breakneck speed, the idea of authority represented Mm. and presented in very different and varying ways, but kind of coming in a full and I suppose all encompassing culmination Mm. in Jesus Christ. Um, There is obviously that idea that it's not just Jesus's authority. It's all authority on heaven and earth has been given mm. to me and I'm now giving it to you. Mm. So therefore go. Yeah. Um, what does it mean for us to, to lay hold of that authority? Mm. I suppose I kind of had three questions yeah. that might be helpful to look at. And I suppose the first one um, is how, how can we take hold of that yeah. authority? I think it's, um, yeah, I don't know if it's a word or not, but the paradoxical authority is recognizing that I Jesus. Think paradoxical is a word. Okay, yeah. I'm glad I kind yeah. of write in there, and I don't know if it's a real word. Yeah, paradoxical. Yeah. It didn't didn't come up in spell check, but uh, but <laughs> I, yeah, there's this theme of Jesus. He is a suffering servant. So mm. Jesus wields authority. Mm. Um, but yeah, when he when he's arrested and Peter tries to cut the servant's ear off, which shows you how useless he is with a sword. I can't yeah. kill it. Cuts his yeah. ear off. Um, he's like, hey, you know, I can call down like legions of angels. Mm. I'm not going to do that though. And so that's sort of the authority that we have to take that mindset. The cross, carrying our cross, is mm. that recognizing that Jesus is in charge. But yeah, in this strange way, he, he allows suffering to be part of demonstrating mm. his authority. Mm-hmm. And so for us as Christians, there can be a sense of, um, you can we can fall into triumphalism. Like, yeah, we have the authority of Jesus. We are there to be almost like a new... Joshua, like leading the Israelites, destroying sure. evil. And that's, uh, I think, what the church did historically, say, when the um, Crusades Puri- yeah, or the Crusades. Spanish Inquisition. Or, or the Puritans yeah. when they moved to America. Yeah, yeah. Like, oh, these are new Canaanites. We, we could go on. Out. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. A- and where well, that's not what 
Jesus calling us. And that's that's the difference between him being the first Joshua and the second Joshua. The second yeah. Joshua is a Joshua of peace. Yeah. We're not killing our enemies. We're yeah, turning mm. the other cheek. And so that, that's the story there, recognizing that God is sovereign. Well, Jesus is sovereign over everything. But at the same time, too, he'll allow things to happen. Again, kind of touching you with that Job stuff. There's Perhaps there's still Satan having conversations right now. Mm-hmm. And even in John's account before um, Jesus Christ, I think it's chapter 13, he says, Peter, Peter, Satan's asked to sift you white like wheat. Mm. But I've prayed for you that you will mm. overcome. And you're like, hmm. It's very Jobian language there. Like mm. Satan's asked permission to tempt Peter. Mm. And she's like, I've prayed for you. Mm. And so I'm assuming that stuff's still happening today. Mm. So that that's why I see that authority is recognized that ultimately Jesus is in charge, but he will allow his church to suffer like him. Mm. That model of discipleship mm. is in picking up a cross each day and following after him. And mm. so I kind of alluded to a little bit in the sermon, just because I had one bad week doesn't mean I pack it all in. Given the life of our church, there's a lot of stuff happening to a lot of yeah. families right now. And you sort of think, well, where is God in this? You kind of think we'll be protected with this magical shield. But yeah, in God's providence, he allows us to suffer. And perhaps some of that's just living in a fallen, broken world. Perhaps some of it's the purposes that we don't truly understand. Mm. And so I see, don't you want to equate every evil we go through like Jesus on the cross? But in a sense, we part. I see that as a way of partnering with him, mm. we have a God who understands our mm. pain and suffering. Mm. Yeah, I love what Tim Keller said. He goes, any any suffering in life you go through, Jesus knows it. You know, physical pain, he experienced that. Mm. The loss of a loved one, well, he experienced that being disconnected from God. Betrayal mm. of a friend, well, he experienced that. There's, mm. yeah, our God is truly Emmanuel, God with mm. us. And so that's, um, yeah, I see that authority is that yeah, Jesus can calm the wind and the waves, mm. um, but sometimes mm. he doesn't. Mm. Even though we know he can, mm. and that's what. But and I think when those times I don't see those prayers answered like I want, I look back and go, I think it's Jesus gives us a foretaste of what the kingdom is like. Mm. Everyone he healed, they still died. Like Lazarus, he's not still wandering around today, going, "Hey man, like two thousand years ago, I was in this tomb mm. for four days, and now I'm still alive." He he kicked the bucket. Mm. Um, but it's a foretaste of, okay, this is what the kingdom will look like. There'll be no death. Oh, there'll be no blind people. There'll be mm. no lame people. There'll be no leprosy. Mm. And so, yeah, I see them as what N.T. Wright says, signposts. Mm. Signposts for us. So mm. that's how I see for us is claiming that authority, is recognizing that God could do it. Perhaps sometimes he doesn't answer the prayer how we do. Mm. And then drawing comfort too that Jesus had unanswered prayer. Father, remove this cup from me, yet not my will but yours be done. Mm. Like, well, okay. Mm. Sometimes they, if Jesus didn't get answered prayer, mm. then perhaps sometimes we won't. We just have to wrestle with that. Mm. Yeah. So we've got this this mm. authority then, and it's obviously going to look a bit different mm. to, I mean, kind of perfect time with yeah. King Charles the Fourth. Yeah, third. Yeah, third. King yeah. Charles the Third. There you go. That's, I'm, I'm obviously such <laughs> yeah. a monarch. Yeah, you obviously uh, watched the. <laughs> yeah, I love it. I can't get enough of it. Um, was super intrigued why there were so many American like artists playing, but maybe they just mm. couldn't get enough British ones because yeah. they all hate the monarchy. Yeah. But anyway, um, I digress. This idea of authority in an mm. earthly way uh, looks like. 
like literal fireworks, looks like, Mm. you know, live streamed internationally, looks like this lording, this glitz, this glamour, this prestige, um, you know, the celebrities and the most powerful and influential people in the world sort of, you know, just recognizing them and lifting them up. Um, you're kind of talking about this countercultural authority mm. in taking on a cross yeah. in, you know, washing your disciples feet. Um, what um, does this then done well look like? Cause I feel mm. like, you know, we can enact the authority of Christ given to us mm. well, and we can do it poorly. What does it look mm. like when it's actually done well? Yeah. I hate saying it, but it's probably, I use the term verticom as a new Testament type church Uh, it's the type of church which i think perfectly balances social justice with proclaiming the gospel Mm -hmm. and not seeing one as competing the other Mm -hmm. so being able to look after orphans and widows Mm -hmm. but being bold enough to preach the gospel clearly so people can turn and repent Mm -hmm. to be able to disciple and to be willing to endure a bit of suffering for the gospel Mm -hmm. that's how i sort of see it done well Mm -hmm. and then we're all going to struggle um yeah. But it is interesting in Revelation, the only churches that aren't given a bad rap are the ones that are being persecuted. They're just told to mm. keep going. But I feel outside of the, the persecuted church, we all kind of struggle with... I guess that's part of being on this side of eternity. I, I told people when I started here, I was like, ah, if you want the perfect church, you got the wrong pastor. <laughs> I'm a pretty broken, sinful person. Mm. Mm. and so. But I think we all know what church like done poorly looks like and yeah yeah but but like yeah acts gives us that little snapshot maybe for that maybe for one day when things were good before it all kind of mm. went pear-shaped but mm. that's how for me i see like the gospel the, the perfect balance of social justice with gospel proclamation we see jesus doing that he mm. taught some pretty hard truths didn't mm. shy from it but also was incredibly compassionate to those that mm. needed it and yeah didn't turn away anyone that needed his help and that's probably well, I see, particularly in the West here, we might fall into those camps, some more preaching churches, some perhaps more focus on social justice, but mm. I don't, they're not like not opposed to each other there. You need to have both to mm. give the full gospel. Mm. Mm. And then um, what does it look like when it's not done well? Mm. <laughs> we could look at... Um, it's interesting. I read an article from Christianity Today mm-hmm. about... Um, it's actually about Tucker Carlson. I don't know if you okay. know who he is. Yeah. Just saying how he's... Just for those who don't. <laughs> so he was, a, he, he was he was fired from Fox News. Mm. and Why was he fired from Fox News? I don't really know. Mm. But um, the article just said it goes... It was his resignation in, in the author's eyes reflected that American evangelicals on a whole get their news more from someone like him. Or their Christianity, I should say, and their beliefs from someone more like him than actually... The truth of the scriptures. Wow. It was quite, it was quite scathing, which is big for American says If you think your Christianity is American and white, you are no better than the Pharisees mm. that Jesus rebuked. It's like, like that's. Uh, mm. So yeah, look, when you see a church that's quite triumphant, that you know thinks that their job is to conquer over nations mm. or be the banner or the, the you know, the. Foghorn, what's the word I want? Loudspeaker for a particular mm. political party. Or, you know, pushing a, perhaps a nuanced agenda or having, yeah, I guess I guess perhaps a church that just focuses on one thing. Um, yeah, there's some church out there that go all the way just preaching churches. Mm. As someone whose gifting is teaching, that's probably a danger I have to be careful for because that's, I love teaching. I really mm. get a, 
and yeah, so you can fall in the dark. Or you can fall in the opposite camp of just being, oh, we just show love. Mm. I know churches who do that. They just sort of do evangelism through, hopefully, osmosis. They just think, well, if we just kind of be around people, mm. maybe they'll just see we're different somehow. It's like, mm. uh, well, it needs to be some sort of word or action or some sort of gospel message. You can't just be mm. hanging around people. And look, sometimes those people notice a difference. But mm. yeah, that's, mm. you know. And you could go back in history. Crusades, that's that's you know, not mm. good. We yeah, mentioned yeah. Spanish Inquisition. God wills it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, there's been plenty of um countries that thought prayed well of God, you know, if we win this battle, you're on our side and mm. uh, yeah. but yeah. I guess that's the power of the gospel. I often think of the um do we need church history, do you um American slaves? Uh yeah, for like yeah, one, yeah. one week. Yeah, I remember that's just one like uh primary source we looked at. And it was a account of this worship service in the middle of the forest. And there was all these like crazy, like kind of like Acts 2, sort of tongues and yeah. prophecies. And just struck me as like, these guys are able to see beyond Christianity being the white man religion. Mm. Just shows you God can work. Mm. They were banned from even going to church on Sunday. They weren't allowed to be in the white man's it's church. Crazy. But there they are meeting after a hard day working in the plantations, mm. just pouring their heart out. Mm. And so, so I say as God's, yeah, we can kind of bemoan the state of Christianity in the West and, ah, churches are dying, but mm. I still like God's spirit is always moving and perhaps moving not in the traditional ways we see it. Mm. Like that there, like for those slaves, they, yeah, they had very powerful encounters with God yeah. at night in the middle yeah. of the forest. So, mm. yeah. God doesn't discriminate. No, no, he does not. <laughs> Love it. So good. Well, yeah, look, I think that, yeah, being able to take um, full hold of that authority mm. in a balanced way of, I mean, you know, the sort of closing image that you gave us, a lion and a lamb, right? Yeah. Being able to take hold of that, you know, suffering servant mm. motif, uh, the idea of someone who is peaceful and loving, mm. but also somebody who has, you know, actual authority yeah. over this earth, someone who speaks with truth and boldness and power. Uh, I think that that lion and the lamb motif is always actually a really helpful one for mm. us to try to emulate in yeah. ways and finding that balance and that nuance between making sure that we're not going too far on either side. Mm. Cause I think ultimately when we're balancing too far on either lamb or lion, we're probably going to be missing the mark mm. a bit. And uh, yeah, I think it's a beautiful way to kind of look at that mm. in a way. And, and I think like the closing I guess, encouragement was doubt. I think I had on the slide doubt equals comfort. So mm. Even though the disciples still doubted, and yeah, the whole idea of connecting it with Peter's doubt, mm. but then they worship is that yeah, these guys weren't perfect, mm. and neither are we. Mm. So God's not looking for yeah superstars who've got it all yeah. together. He's and, not waiting for you yeah. to be perfect. Yeah, because I certainly am not, and mm. there's times I doubt, mm. and you know, you sort yeah. of begin to wonder. Oh, yeah. like, I am perfect I've got... and willing, ah, yeah, willing to show you the ropes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think that's the. And I feel that actually is like a cool way that Matthew ends the gospel. I never really had thought about the doubt. I just sort of ignored it. I always just focused on the or authority has been. But that mm. verse 16 is important for, yeah, despite that, Jesus still calls him to mm. complete the task ahead. And in mm. some ways, that's the proof of his mm. resurrection of who he is. And yeah. yeah, for us, and it shouldn't, yeah, I hear some people go, oh, I don't have giftings, I can't do that. It's like, well, you know, mm. As Acts says, they recognize the disciples were unschooled, ordinary men, mm. but they recognize they'd been with Jesus. I was like, yeah, well, that's kind of the, that's yeah. the criteria of discipleship for us yeah. to be like Jesus. Totally. And 
Yeah, and if mm. I, I think if Jesus' 11 disciples, after you know having walked with him for three years, having witnessed him being crucified, yeah. resurrected, <laughs> and now there with him in this moment, yeah. and some of them are still doubting, I think we can take great comfort in that mm. to maybe not uh, get too hard, you know, down, down on ourselves yeah. about... Um, but yeah, recognize that I, I love this idea that some doubted and some worshipped. Because mm. I think that I don't know. I like to think that as they continued, that that kept on changing. Who was mm. in that category? Yeah. And I think we always are going to. If I think if we're genuinely, genuinely mm. walking the Christian faith, there's going to be moments where we're doubting and moments oh, yeah. where we're worshipping. And yeah, that recognition that God wants to use us at all times, yeah. not just when we're at our peaks. Yeah, and yeah. I think that's the. Yeah, the tension of that authority mm. that Jesus has is mm. that, yeah, lion and lamb imagery. It's like, where, where's the lion part? I'd love to see the lion coming out right now, but mm. I feel like the lamb. And, yeah. and uh, maybe some other times, hey, you need a little lamb. In yeah, your yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I guess all too much Tucker Carlson yeah, right yeah. now. <laughs> but I, I guess ultimately for us, and I always go back to it for me, I have to, because that's like the focus of my hope is that when Jesus returns, that's when we see the lion mm. in action, where justice is meted out. Yeah. against evil and suffering mm. so, love it yeah so that's good. why in Jesus promise we'll look at it in a few weeks time but you know he'll be with us always to the very end of the age so, you know love that yeah so good yeah. well yeah look I think uh, it's going to be really exciting to continue to go through this great commission mm. it was um, definitely a fascinating thing to see over the last few weeks other people feeling very called to mm. kind of unpack that and talk about that and get yeah. people's minds moving on it cool. so to unpack these sort of four key points in it uh, over May Mission Month will be great um, yeah I mean look all authority has give, been given on heaven and earth so therefore yeah, <laughs> what therefore. is the next part that you're talking yeah, about go on, on actually it's Going is the in the Greek. It's better translated going and make disciples of all nations. Yeah. So go and make disciples of all nations. Going as in you already are and continue. Yeah. So it's a, it's a participle. Yeah. That's what people argue. They should say going, not go and make. Yeah. Which I'd going. argue is awful English. So. Yeah, I know. So you have to say it. But like that's the, continue to go. Continue and to disciples. go and make disciples. So it's not just a one-off. It. It's an ongoing yeah. process. And all nations, it's everyone. Yes. So that was the promise to Abraham. Through you, all nations will be blessed. Yeah. And that's like Jesus is the fulfillment of that. He is the true son of Abraham. Yeah. He's blessed all nations. Well, I don't know about you, Murray, but I'm not very Jewish. No. So, I'm, I'm know, waiting for I'm, my 23 and me, but I'm pretty <laughs> sure I'm not very Jewish. <laughs> yeah. So I'm part of those nations that have been blessed through yeah. the son of Abraham. So yeah. I feel pretty fortunate that way. The Gentile boys. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Well, Mitch, thank you for the chat. Marcus, yeah. thanks for being the chillest yeah, little dude ever. Yeah. Just chilling there. You may have heard a few like little uh, adorable squeaks, gurgles yeah. throughout this recording, but no, we have been mm. very blessed with a very mm. chill bub. Yes. So get back to your kids, man. Go oh, rest up. Get that sermon ready for Sunday. Yeah. We'll, uh, see you there. Yeah, mate. <laughs> hey, everyone. Oh, look, you're saying bye. Yes. <laughs> see you guys. Yeah. Thanks so much for joining us. Don't forget to rate and subscribe to help others discover this channel. Check out the description if you want to find out more or get in touch with us at the Centre Dural. But in the meantime, praying for God's hand over you as you continue to step into everything Jesus has in store for your life. Be blessed. <laughs>